Hi, this is Paul Feig, and you are listening to Five Questions with Dan Chabell. You're listening to the Five Questions podcast, and I'm your host, Dan Chabell. In fewer than 10 minutes, my goal is to extract the best advice from the world's smartest and most interesting people by asking them just five questions. My guest today is actor, film director, and comedian Paul Feig. Paul is known for directing films including Bridesmaids and Ghostbusters 2016, as well as creating the comedy series Freaks and Geeks. We talk about his latest show on Fox, Welcome to Flatch, as well as his career influences and collaborations during this episode. Paul, welcome to Five Questions. Thank you, Dan. It's good to be here. How did doing stand-up comedy at the start of your career influence the types of films and shows you've produced ever since? Well, you become very hyper aware of the audience and what the audience wants and how they ebb and flow. And so more than anything, it made me just kind of begin to understand how to structure a movie, where you need to come in strong, where you need to give them a break, where you need to go high, go low, where you need to put in some emotion or something to pull them into it. You know, And so I think it was really really more that. I mean, I, I always just knew I wanted to make movies that really made people laugh. Ever since I was a kid, that was my only goal. But I also kind of found out from stand-up that the best stand-up, while it's hilarious, can have a little bit of pathos isn't the right word. Just a little bit of emotion in it, you know, not obnoxiously so. And that's why I'm with my comedies. I try to, you know, have the heart in there, but always undercut it with a joke, you know, never let it get too sappy. Because those are the kind of comedies I don't like. It's a joke, 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 joke. And then clearly here's now the dramatic scene, you know, and you're kind of like, it's such a gear shift, you know. So it's really how do you kind of weave, weave it in. And for me, I say all my movies are really dramas that are funny so we kind of break the story make sure the story works as a dramatic piece and then from there we build the comedy up yeah you definitely came up with a good structure and formula for how you've been able to kind of replicate your success from all your different kind of films and shows and everything you've done you've worked on several projects with judd apatow and melissa mccarthy why do you think these collaborations and relationships were so successful while others might not have been it all depends if you have the same sense of humor as the person you're working with. Comedy is so varied and people have so many different senses of humor. Some people have very broad senses of humor. Some people have very dry senses of humor. Some people have everything in between. And what happens is if you're not in sync with the other person, you're just butting heads the whole time. And then you get a very inconsistent tone in your comedy. And so, you know, Judd and I were stand-ups together. You know, I've known him since he was 17 years old. You know, he was always a couple of years younger than me. And we always just kind of bonded over liking the same kind of comedy, which is very character-based, very real, but extreme. And for me, especially in the 90s, there was a lot of comedy was very broad, very kind of look at me and, you know, and I'm kind of winking to the audience like this, this character is really dumb and you know he's dumb, so let's all laugh at him. And I don't like that. And I know Judd doesn't like that. And I know Melissa definitely doesn't like that. So we're always kind of trying to figure out how do we make it as funny as it can be, but as grounded for an extreme character, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. I mean, there is something about the experience of working with people over the course of, you know, many films. We see this a lot, you know, like with Joe Rogan and all the people he's yeah. worked with, Judd Aptow, you. And I think that over the course of all those projects, you just kind of become more in sync. And if you weren't after a few projects, you probably wouldn't still be working together anyways. Yeah. The inverse of that is, but then you like to kind of work with new people too, because it's always, yeah. you know, I'm always afraid of settling in to a pattern or in- Because you need the challenge. Yeah, yeah. You know, like this new movie I just did, it's a fantasy movie, you know, The School yeah. for Good and Evil. 
example. Nobody would have thought I would have done it, but at, the, at its heart, it's the kind of story that I like with the kind of characters and world that I like. And with all my movies, they all feel like they're from me, even though sometimes they can get very different. Yeah, I and mean, you've been doing this for a long time. And obviously the media entertainment world and technology in general has changed. And just the consumer and what they're looking for. What are some very of the much. unique challenges of producing a TV series such as Welcome to Flash compared to streaming service or a theatrical distribution? You know, TV has changed a lot over the years because TV, you, you didn't used to be able to make TV serialized, which means you had to watch the previous episode to understand the next episode. The, the saying was always like, each new episode needs to be the pilot again, because you don't know when people are going to find the show because it was a network show, you know, and so people are coming to you every week and you're only on once a week. With streaming coming in, that really turned TV shows into very long movies, basically, you know, because if you look, everything runs into the next thing. And as a storyteller, that's really great because you can really set up these long character arcs and long kind of twists and turns. In, in a tale, which is great. So that's made it really fun. But now going back to network TV with Welcome to Flash, we're back in that kind of situation where you go, okay, well, we do need to kind of introduce people to these characters each time, but the feeling isn't quite so inflexible in that way. It is, especially with a comedy, as long as you're funny and you get the idea that these people are funny and really being this docu-comedy, it allows you to set stuff up with chirons and you know people talking to the camera and all that. So, so we've had less issues with having kind of reintroduced the show each episode, but we just have a lot of fun on the show. Yeah, because you figure a lot of people might want to start with episode one, whereas before, like you were saying, it's your adventure with this, they could start at episode four and then you have to like maybe wait to yeah. watch the first three episodes if they come on as you know from syndication or whatnot yeah or reruns yeah no i mean the fact anybody can access any show you know even like welcome to flash the night that it airs at midnight then it's on hulu so you can go back yeah. and catch up i think it's great i mean it really you know when it was doing freaks and geeks you know and we got canceled it was that feeling like well we're gone like no one's ever going to see this show again because we didn't have enough to get into syndication and it took four years just to get us out on dvd and that kind of brought us back so it's a much healthier way to do television now because you can access it. Yeah. Speaking of Welcome to Flatch, what was your inspiration for it and what aspects of the series most reflect our culture? Well, you know, it's based on a uh, British show called This Country, a uh, BBC show, which we just thought was the funniest thing ever. It, it's, you know, it's written by uh, Daisy and Charlie Cooper, who are brother and sister. They play cousins on the show. They shoot it into their own hometown. They have a lot of their relatives are in the show. So it's very low key, but super funny because the characters are so extreme. So it just felt like it was the perfect thing to bring here to the U.S. because it's just about a small town. It's about eccentric characters in a small town. And both myself and Jenny Bix, who is the showrunner on the show, grew up in small towns. She, you know, grew up around a small town in Maine when she wasn't living in New York. And I grew up in Michigan, in Mount Clemens, Michigan, which was a, a small town. And then used to have a, a cottage in Canada, which was in a really small town called Harrow. And movies, I like high concept. And TV, I like low concept. Like when you pitch a TV show and it's some like really big idea of like the world's going to end and they have to stop aliens or whatever. That's cool. But at the same time, it can run out of steam versus it's just these people in the small town trying to get by. There's a gazillion stories you can tell for years and years and years in that way, because you're just following the characters, you know, and why I think this is a show that people kind of just need and, and will, will enjoy is it's just it's funny and it's really good spirited. You know, it's not mean. We were first putting it together. Everybody's like, Yo, you're not going to make fun of small towns. It's like, why would we possibly make fun of small towns? We're from them. We love them. But we want to have fun with the people in it the way that wherever you live, there's extreme people you know and friends that you have that are just a little more out there than other people. And they're the ones that are really entertaining to hang out with. But it's very fun to watch them from a safe distance where you're not actually yeah. there 
going to embarrass you. <laughs> of course. And what's your best piece of career advice? My best piece of career advice is just do it. You know, if you feel that you want to do something, you have to find out if you can do it and you have to find your voice in doing it. And these days you can shoot something on your iPhone that's going to look a thousand times better than anything I shot at the beginning of my career on 16 millimeter film. And it costs nothing. I mean, I had to pay my first movie that I made cost $35,000 just because of the film and developing. You know, I shot it in a field with four people. We never had production really, uh, you know, capabilities, you know, unless you had a super eight camera and that always looked crappy. And then once you made something, you had no way to get it out to anybody other than show it to your friends. Now you can shoot something on your iPhone in HD. You can edit it on your laptop, comes with, you know, iMovie or whatever it is. And then you can put it out on the internet and people can see it and tell you if they like it or not. So there's no excuse to not be doing it if you say you want to do it. You, you know, it's not the old days. I got to wait for somebody to call me up, and, you know, get the opportunity. No, the opportunity is right in your hands right now. If you want to do it, do it. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom, Paul. To follow his journey, you can watch his show, Welcome to Flatch, and find him on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, where he shares his appearances, cocktail recipes, new projects, and dog. To watch the full extended video version of this episode, go to youtube.com slash Dan Shawbell, and please remember to rate and review the 5 Questions podcast on iTunes. <music>